We've been doing a series on, on praise and worship and raising worshipers. This will most likely be our last one. So I'm going to do, we're going to get through quite a lot of material today, but uh, I, I trust that last week was helpful to you. We had a whole bunch of people come to us last week, and I trust it was helpful. You don't have to remember all the details. You don't have to remember all the fancy words. It's just that God is, the Bible says in John 4.24, that God is searching the earth. He's looking for worshipers who will worship in spirit and in truth. That's in fellowship and not going through the motions, you know? In fellowship, they will worship in spirit and in truth. Because in heaven, you see in Revelations 4 and 5, and the musical order of worship in heaven is continual, it's musical, and it's centered around the attributes of God. And when that happens in heaven continually, God releases his government, his resources, his power. And so he looks on the earth to find a witness that's doing here what he does there. And he releases his resources, his government, and his power into that situation, you know, and the Lord is searching for worshipers. He's really looking for genuine worshipers, and I believe with all my heart, even as we've been looking at David and just restoring the tabernacle of David, that he was exalted to the position of king because he was a worshiper. I'm going to do a quick recap, and that's dangerous, I know, but David's day, he saw something in heaven, just as God gave uh, plans, very specific, exact plans to Moses to build a tabernacle. He actually gave David very specific, exact plans to build a temple, but it is, it's in 1 Chronicles 28, verse 10 to 12, but it's in my personal belief that he saw something when he got the plans, and then he instituted something here on, on earth. He saw all what was happening in heaven, and he realized that all worship up until that time had all been sacrificial, you know, just sacrificial. And that was the response of God's people in worship. And so David instituted 33 years of musical worship because it was actually more after the order of heaven. You know, 33 years. It was 33 years that there was 25 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year of musical, continuous worship, and it ended up being for 33 years. He reigned for seven years in Hebron, but for 33 years over all of Israel, and that was the same length as Jesus' life, and it was pointing to what New Testament, New Covenant worship would look like. And they built a little tent. It was literally a tent. It wasn't like a full tabernacle on Mount Zion, and they had about six miles away on Mount Gibeon, there was the tabernacle of Moses like it was in the desert. And they carried on with all the stuff there and you had two tabernacles on the earth for the first time ever. And the ark of God, the presence of God, the person of God, the power of God was put in this temporary tent. And so people, the Israelites and the people who came to the mountain of Zion to worship got to experience New Testament worship in the Old Testament. They got to experience worship in the presence of God with no veil. There was no veil there. They got to experience what it was like to be a New Testament priest. You're all priests. And so David established something way outside of his time. And it's in those days of David that you see, and we went over some of these. They can throw them up behind me. We won't go through all of them. That you see the full expression of praise in all the different seven Hebrew words. Halal, Yada, Todas, and we've been through those. And most very importantly, the word Tehillah or Tehillah. And that was spontaneous prophetic song that comes out, you know? And even the book of Psalms was Sefer Tehillim. All the songs of Psalms, they were, and I said it in the first week, they were just 150 top, the top charts of David's day. 
you know, but they became sealed as scriptures, canonical songs, and they were filled with God's presence and power. And you weren't even allowed to read them, actually. You had to sing them. And so you just see this tehillah, this tehillah praise come out. And that's when it says in Psalm 23 that God inhabits the praises of his people. That's the one. It's worship from the heart. Because even if you see in Jesus' day, all of this had died out. All of this had, in a sense, become lost. And it says Jesus came to them in Mark 7, and he says, you worship with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. And he defines false worship as someone going through the motions, but there's no song in the heart. There's no melody in the heart. Make music in your heart unto the Lord. And unfortunately, and it's, I'm, I'm not attacking any person here or any specific place, that is largely the expression in the first world church. And so the tabernacle of David, the booth of David has fallen down. And in Acts 15, when certain Pharisees got saved and came to the Lord, they tried to say, we need to go back to the law. And uh, Paul and Peter and then James, the leader of the church at the time, stands up and says, actually, no, God is trying to restore David's tabernacle. And he's speaking about worship, which will eventually enthrone God upon praise. God is enthroned upon praises in a region and in a heart. And from that place of being enthroned, his government begins, his rulership begins to be established. So then the two systems came together, the sacrifice, Moses' tabernacle, the sacrifice of praise. They come together in Solomon's tabernacle or in Solomon's temple. And we read this, I'm going to read it again this week. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 11 to 14 says, And it came to pass when the priests came out of the holy place. Again, the word priests, plural, never happened before in history. Multiple priests behind the veil. This is now in the temple. The priests came out of the holy place for all the priests were present had sanctified themselves without keeping to their divisions. And the Levites who were the singers, all of those of Asaph, Heman, and Jeduthun, who were they there? Chief musicians, look at this, we're so sharp. With their sons and their brethren stood at the east end of the altar clothed in white linen. It's looking a lot like Revelation. Clothed in white linen, having cymbals, stringed instruments and harps, and with them 120 priests sounding with trumpets. And indeed it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking. Those are actually two of the words for praise right there. Halal and yada. Praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments of music and praised the Lord saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever, that the house, the house of the Lord, was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not minister or could not continue ministering because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Yeah, a little while ago, just I was in some prayer and um, just in a vision, and I shared a little bit of this last night. I just saw a vision, and the Lord was just speaking to me how, you know, the God of Abraham has been forgotten by many. You know, the God of Jacob is... Uh, Psalms all over the God of Jacob. That's the God of us. It's grace. It's the God. He takes a swindler, a deceiver, and he turns him and changes him, and, and that's wonderful. And then the God of Isaac is obviously uh, Abraham's son. It represents Christ, the son of promise, the redeemer, and, and that's, it's just wonderful. That's salvation. But the God of Abraham is uh, just raw power. It's really who God is. And, you know, we, we so quickly put God in a box. And it's, it's been too long, friends, since the church has seen God, Yahweh, 
El Shaddai for who he really is. His power. You know, we, we, get, we define him so fast. Oh, that's God doing this. That's God doing this. And we have all these God experts. But the God of all power, sovereign, supernatural miracle. You know? <laughs> and I believe he's calling and drawing people again in this hour. Everywhere I go, I see it. To remember the God of Abraham. Of absolute authority. Abraham did nothing. God just came to him. And so we see a little bit of that here. But just to quickly point out, it says there were 120 priests with trumpets, one in heart, making one sound with singers to be heard. And the Spirit of God came down in the kabod, the weighty glory of God. Well, a thousand years goes by, and guess what happens? There's 120 believers standing in a room. New Testament priests. Huh. It's just so interesting. It's, this, it's all over the Bible. It's pointing to something. In Acts chapter 2, all just happens to be the 120 New Testament priests, it says they were in one heart, just like in 2 Chronicles. And then there is a sound, just like there was in 2 Chronicles. It, was a, it wasn't a wind, it was a sound like a wind. And then the Spirit of God came down, just like it came down there. And the glory of God rested not in a physical place, but on people. You're his temple. That's the point. We don't realize who we carry. We don't realize who we carry. And we do carry him. It staggers my mind. We carry him. You know, and there's something I believe that God is trying to or desiring to restore. For those who can hear, let them hear. That's what Jesus, that's actually the thing Jesus said the most. You know, when a person comes in a room, and they have anxiety, depression, or they're angry, right? They can be smiling, who knows what I'm talking about, but they walk in the room and you can feel it. Yeah? Okay. That's an inferior presence. That's an inferior spirit in a sense. That's an inferior presence, yet you're suddenly aware of it. With God's people learning to walk into a place not because of anything that they've done, to walk into a place and let the awareness of who they carry be felt. And we all carry it. Somehow we're in our old nature, in our fallen nature, we understand how to release how we feel, but in our new nature, to release who's in here, that's a New Testament pattern. And it, it happened to me a little while ago. I just, just not so long ago, I walked into Starbucks. I might have told us. And this woman started just going, manifesting. Right? I didn't say a word, didn't do anything. And said, ah, it's manifesting right there. We, we carry someone. So anyway, that's not what I'm speaking about today. But you know, I often used to ask, why did God not allow David to build the temple? Because it was God who made him go into all those battles and kill everything. I mean, it, it, God told him to do that. And then he said, you're not allowed to build the temple because you killed all those people. And I was like, well, that's kind of unfair. But it's because it was pointing to New Testament, New Covenant worship. And Zechariah was about to come to say, not by might, 
Not, that's, that's the strength of man's arm. Not by power, military power like David did, but by my spirit. He's saying, David, you, are represent, you have demonstrated something on the earth of New Testament worship. And in that day, we don't fight flesh and blood. I cannot have you build a temple. But your son Solomon, he will be a man of peace. He will build it. Because it is the peace of God that will crush Satan. Not the warfare. So, we're going to look at something practical. We've done a lot of like the- theology. Some of it, for some of you, I could tell you were giving me grace. You're like, this is a lot of stuff about music. And so we're going to do more. But I want to talk to the singers and musicians today. And I, I'm not going to go read it all through in the scripture. If, if you want to go read it, I encourage you. Don't just believe me. Go test it. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians 12, actually 14, 13, 15, uh, to 16, 25, or 23, 25, and then all the way through to the end of two Chronicles. It's the second most musical book other than Psalms is 1 Chronicles. Go read it. We'll have portions. We've read some of it before. But to get through this, I just want to be very practical. If you're a singer or, or a musician or even an artist, can you quickly stand? Or even if you know you are, but you haven't done anything with it, yeah? Quickly stand. If you've ever played on a worship team or anything like that, stand, okay. Oh, yeah. All right. So I'm speaking to you guys. I'm speaking to everyone else too, but I'm speaking to you guys today. All right? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your, just the gifts and the heart that you put in us. And I thank you for your presence, Lord. And I pray that you would invade the hearts this morning and that you would reveal and restore in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, what we're going to look at as fast as we can is the five words that the book of 1 Chronicles uses in David's establishing of the order of heavenly worship on the earth, which Acts 15 says he's restoring in our day, and that means in our era, in our day, between now and the returning of the Lord. Uh, and he chooses these, these, these five words. You know, Scripture is amazing. Scripture doesn't waste a word. And there's five words that describe these people, the musicians and the singers, and five words that describes how they would feel or what they had to go through and what happened. Now, Ray Hughes, a musicologist and a, a theologian, a prophet, great guy, he talks about the requirements of uh, serving in David's tabernacle, which we went over, I think, the first week. You had to go through the school of prophets that Samuel had set up. You had to go through, you were instructed in the house of music from a little boy. You had to know the word of God by heart. Now, it was a lot thinner, so that's very helpful, but you had to know it by heart, you know. You had all these things that you had to go through to be established in the tabernacle of David as a singer and as a musician, as a worshiper, and you were all Levites. So you had to be, it started, you had to be over 30 years old, and then David, the very last words he said before he died was he brought it down to 20, because the need was so great. And he employed 8,000, it was just under 10,000, full-time musicians and singers, full-time to establish something on the earth. And you know, today in the modern church, in the, in the, especially in the Western world, it's all about the person preaching. It's all about, it's, it's all centered around, you know, the word, which is good, but biblically it's built around the presence of God, and that comes from worship, praise and worship. And, and, and there is a difference between praise and worship which I won't get into. Worship, there's, only, there's many words for praise 
in the Old Testament, there's one word for worship, and it means to be laid down, prostrate, flat on your face. What are these words? First one is appointed. They were appointed. It says in 1 Chronicles 15, 16, then David spoke to the leaders of the Levites to appoint. This is when they've brought the ark of God. They've stuck it in a little tent that David had constructed. Then he goes to the leaders and he says, do this. First time, they were like, really? Musical people? But he says, then David spoke to the leaders of the Levites to appoint their brethren to be the singers accompanied by instruments of music, stringed instruments, harps and cymbals by raising a voice with resounding joy. Now we covered some of this last week. But the first thing they were actually appointed to do was to rejoice. Now, I won't cover again last week, but in the kingdom, in the world you, have, you rejoice because you have joy. In the kingdom you have joy because you rejoice. There is a difference. In the kingdom you have joy because you rejoice. And sometimes in the rejoicing is the last thing you feel like doing. It's easier to be a victim or, you know, look at my affliction and how horrible my life is. That's actually easy. But to rejoice is how joy comes. We went over that last week. So they were appointed to rejoice before the ark had come back. It's the same pattern. Rejoice so that your joy may be full. And then they were appointed, 1 Chronicles 16, 4, and he appointed some of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord to commemorate. That means to record, to write everything down. That's why we have it. To thank and to praise the Lord God of Israel. So they were appointed. They were appointed to God, not to you. Not to us, but to the Lord. And then their appointment, as I said, was full time, and the scripture will come up behind me. It literally says that in the Bible. And so for every one of these words, we're going to stick for long on some, short on some. But to be appointed, there's something that we have to understand as a church. How do we as a church build a culture that is not the culture of our day? Yeah? It's not the culture of our day to sing and to jump and to twirl and to do these things in Loudoun County. That's a little weird, and that's a little crazy. It doesn't mean we all have to do them, but there's a freedom that comes, which we're going to get into. But how do we build a culture? Because just the musical people, the musicians and the singers, and it's interesting that the Bible separates them. Not every singer plays an instrument. Some do. Not everyone does. But it's to have that, the church has a responsibility, and it's partly to understand you will see there will be insight as to what's going on in these people. Why is it, you know, you've heard it before, musicians are temperamental. They're mental and they have a temper. But why, why is it that there's that frailty? You know, why? And the first thing is to understand they're appointed. So as a church, recognize that they're appointed to God first and they are operating under authority. And so sometimes it's, it's not like, you know, you didn't really sing my song today. Hmm. It's like, yeah, that's okay, we weren't worshiping you. That's going to become a great response. You know, it, it's, it's just, they need to know we're with them. Yeah? Because they've been appointed. Second is to be chosen. 1 Chronicles 16. I'm going to jump down to verse 41. And it says, And with them, Heman and Jeduthun, and the rest who were chosen, who were designated, and some of your translations will say expressed, expressed or designated my name to give thanks to the Lord, that's Yada, to, to, to praise to the Lord, because his mercy endures forever, and with him, he, men, and Jedithan to sound aloud with trumpets and so forth. So the second thing that it's, it shows us, these two things, is that they were chosen and they were expressed by name. Now that word chosen makes us feel like, hmm, um, you know, I was chosen. It, it, it's, unfortunately, it doesn't mean that. 
the word is barar, and it means to, to purge and to purify. That doesn't sound nearly as fun. You know, refining fire, that's like, I like the chosen. Let's stay with the English. It says to purge and to purify, and it actually means to make brighten and polish as to reflect. Why? Because as all musicians, known as, as I said, being a, sometimes a little bit more sensitive, it, it is given to them the privilege and the singers to, to, to lead people, to usher people into the presence of God, and often from the front. And there's a purging, there's a purifying that has to take place so that the polished, the what they reflect is not them, but Him. And that doesn't come quick, friends. It doesn't come quick. There's a dying. You know what it's like? I know what it's like when you preach a lemon and you know you step down and everyone knows it. You know, everyone knows it, especially you. It's like when you lead worship and there's just nothing, you know? Now, we have a great worship team, and it's wonderful, but we need so many more. We need 10 worship teams. See, if we're going to establish something in this region, we have to start to be enlarged. I'm not really about growing the church. That's, it's great. It's, the Lord will bring. But I am about impact. And to impact through the Spirit, not through carnal weapons. And He is enthroned in a region upon praise. And so let's enlarge what's possible. Well, we need to raise up prophets. We need to raise up singers, musicians. We need to raise up the prophecy, praise, prayer, intercessors, that three-chord rope to establish actually what God's about, the establishing of David's tabernacle on the earth so that his government and his rulership can come and set free and change regions and places and people and homes and houses and See, this is why musicians and singers speaking to you is why the enemy will throw the spirit of entertainment at you. He absolutely will. It's like that rock star thing that every musician has to die to, you know, and the people standing, oh, she's, they're still about themselves. We don't realize how difficult that is because the enemy is extremely jealous over those who, get, over those who have musicianhood to usher people into God's presence. It used to be his position. Bible says that he was the cherub that covers the throne. And so there's a spot, in a sense, open that we fill. And that will be thrown at musicians. And so there's a purging, there's a purifying, and they do it up front in front of everyone. And sometimes we're not so kind. We're like, yeah, yeah, it was okay. And it's like they're, they're dying. You know, come Lord, and they've been here, they've practiced. You know, they was here last night, they were here this morning, and they've practiced, and they've come, and then we, you know, uh, yeah, hmm. it was okay. That doesn't build a culture. So how do we help them with this one? We don't come to be entertained or impressed. We come to worship. We don't partner with what the enemy is trying to throw at them, which happens by spectating. I don't really understand. What did she say? I don't know. I didn't understand. You know, just being real. Because we don't see what's possible. We really, it's, 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 it's amazing. So then you see they were expressed by name. 
And again, it has the opposite meaning. Before, like expressed by name. My name made it in the book. You know these guys in heaven. My name's in the book. It actually means, it gets worse. But it means to perforate, to bore, and to pierce. To like bore a hole. To like a drill. Slow boring of a... And to pierce. You see, Jesus was pierced for our transgressions, yeah? He had to be pierced in order to make a way. Leaders, musicians, singers in God's house. It's very similar in business, by the way. A leader in business. There's a boring, there's a piercing. Because anyone who's called to make a way for others to come after, it requires piercing. Hello? Pioneers? Entrepreneurs? There's, there's a piercing that comes. Because the piercing comes so we can carry someone and something. It even says in 1 Chronicles 15 that they were in various ranks. Think about how unpopular that is today. They were ranks. You're on team A and you're on team B. Not everybody gets a trophy in this kingdom. You know, it's like, well, I don't like that. Well, that's in the Bible. They were in various ranks. It says that in 1 Corinthians 15, gatekeepers. You know, <laughs> David went through this. Because it's the feeling of being overlooked. And it's, it's not pleasant. I know, because I went through it. And I probably will go through it again. But the feeling of being overlooked. You see, God is preparing your heart to where you can stand in a place where people will actually want to make you king and put a pedestal under you. And you know, that just means trouble. And so instead you will reflect him. And that, that takes a piercing for that to not be false. It's like, you know, you, wow, you did so well. And you're like, oh, you know, it wasn't that. But inside you're like, mm, yeah, I did well. You know, it's, it's not like that. It's just there's a piercing where you're like, you know what, I did. But unless he makes it go ding, I ain't got nothing. But I love him. And I'm telling you this again, some of these guys and, and some of you, I'm sure, and this is true for actually all believers, to carry something. There, there's a piercing that, that happens. You don't follow the piercing. You chase him and his love and his grace and, and just him. He's the reward, not even his power, just him. But this begins to take place. Think about David. He was not counted among his, the sons in his own father's house. Think about that. The feeling of being overlooked. He was not counted among the sons in his own father's house. And then he was anointed king in front of them. He's like, come on, look at that. Probably due to being a worshiper. And then there was a massive delay. And then he got like another dad who was the king in the land, Saul. And then he tried to kill him. And then so then he got a wife. And she despised his style of worship. She looked and despised him. Yeah. And that's probably why he was appointed. And now she doesn't like it. Overlooked, 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 overlooked. So God says, you know what I'm going to do? I will call my son the son of David. Because he's a man after my heart. I will call my son the son of David. See, God will take what you've walked through, and some of you have walked through things that I don't even know exist. But he will use that to cause you to be able to make a way for others. Always. Always. David had learned to turn to the Lord. He, learns to, he learned even as a little boy to turn the piercing into praise. 
and he learned to carry something, to turn the piercing into praise. Being a victim is so easy. So easy. The first victim was Adam. It was the woman, and it was you. He blamed God. You did this. You. Not smart. So how does we a church, how do we deal with this as a church when we see that happening? Don't let the onslaught come from you. The enemy is giving it to them enough. Don't let the onslaught come from you. Let them know, like I said, that we are with them. It's hard enough. There is a spiritual weight to this. So you don't add to it. You know, it's like you see a person make a mistake on a guitar and then the next, after the worship, you know, and we're having coffee and someone says, you know, worship was so going so great and then you really messed it up and it just never recovered. <laughs> you, you don't realize what that does. They're like, oh, thank you for the help. And they walk around the corner and it's like you've stuck an icicle. It may be true, but let him do that, not you. Encourage them. Encourage them. It says they were separated. They were separated. Moreover, David and the captains of the armory separated for the service, the sons of Asaph, Heman, and Jeduthun, the three chief musicians. And very simply, it's the feeling of separation. You know, many people that are like that, they, it's, the, it's the frailty, like I said, of even the prophetic. The, the, the prophets know this. I'm different. There's something wrong with me. I'm different. I'm, I'm not like everyone else. I don't see things the same way. I'm different. They've been separated unto this thing called music or praise or prophecy. They've, it's like there's a separation. And I know what that's like. And, you're and so the enemy will attack them with isolation. So don't allow them to be isolated. Open your home. Have a family. Have a, bring them in. Call them in. Because it, it's not to, you know, get good at this so that we can do the stuff, you know, the miracles. And so let's just wait for them to get good at the stuff. And then we just kind of, it's very easy to ride a wave versus to create one. Are you with me? Very practical. I hope it's helping you. And lastly, they were instructed. Now, this was my major point, and it's 1124. So it says, all these were under the direction of their father for the music. So 1 Chronicles 25, in the house of the Lord with cymbals, stringed instruments, harps for the service of the house of God. Asaph, Heman, and Juduthan were under the authority of the king. There's the authority structure. David, Kenaniah, three chief musicians and sons. And so the number of them with their brethren were instructed in the song of the Lord. All who were skillful, and then it gives... The number. They were instructed, though, in more than the song and more than in instruments. They were instructed in Scripture. It was mostly the Levites who actually could read and write. They were instructed in Scripture, in physical expression, in song, in musical instruments, and in sila or sela or salah, however you say that. They were instructed in those things. So quickly, can we go through these quickly? Great. They were instructed in Scripture. Very simple principle. I'm just going to skip over these. Word of God in, word of God out. See, in David's tabernacle, there had never been musical expression, yet the musical expression that came out of them, they knew the, the scripture at the time, they knew it by heart. And unfortunately, there's a culture in the church today, which, while well, those are the theologians and teachers, and, and those are the musical people, they just sing about whatever, it's like, actually, the scripture belongs here. 
here. Because whatever you put in will come out. I used to challenge the youth years ago when we used to lead them, find like 50 or 60 words to describe God, memorize them, know them, put it in, put it in, put it in. So that when you begin to sing a Tehila song, a new song unto the Lord, let the scripture come out. They were so versed in scripture that their songs became scripture. And messianic prophecies that the, Old, that the New Testament still points back to as confirming of doctrine in the New Testament from musicians. Hmm, that's interesting. Scripture, whatever you put in will come out. Colossians 3, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. It's like we separate those two. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. You know that word, one another, that phrase one another up there? In the Greek, you know what the word is actually? Yourselves. And it means yourselves, plural, but it also means, mostly translated, himself singular or herself singular. What's it saying? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly and teach and instruct your own heart with psalms, with hymns, with spiritual songs, so that when you have from yourself to yourselves, what comes out is psalms and scripture and song. That's what it means. Let's just go to the next one. They were instructed in physical expressions. Now, this is exciting. I remember the day when I was, got saved, I was about 20, I was radically saved. You know, me and Jesus, Billy Graham, we'd take the world in a year, you know, that whole, this is it, this is me. And I remember the day I closed my eyes in worship for the first time. I thought, my goodness, I'm flying. You know, it's like you worship and then one day you're just like, hmm, this is better. And you think, I really took a step today. But you know, some people are there. You know, in, in, the, in the Psalms, you'll see... I have just a few, there's many more. Clapping, lifting hands, extending hands, closing eyes, standing, sitting, kneeling, face down, bowing down, dancing. They were trained in these. They were actually trained. Why does a person seem to find breakthrough when they go from here, you know, I'm worshiping the Lord. It's like the whole the TV thing, you know. This is, a, this is about what it is. I'm worshiping the Lord. And then they go to here. And they're like, oh my gosh. Especially if they're young and there's like a boy or girl, they're like, you know, this is it's the one eye, oh, they're looking, you know. And then eventually here, and, you know, <laughs> when you really get into the presence of the Lord, you'll actually find sometimes you begin to sway. Who, who knows what I'm talking about? This is why the ascetic Jews, even in New York today, they do this. Why? They're reliving an old glory. They just do it in the natural. <laughs> The, the body, why, did, why does it carry breakthrough? Because you're putting your body under the subjection of how your spirit wants to worship. And so the spirit of God begins to take rulership and take authority. And David went through this. When it says he danced, he whirled and leaped as a king in front of all Israel. Now there was nine miles when they took the ark and restored it. And, he, and it's people, you know, I will be more undignified than this, the famous scripture. People think he was naked, but he had a linen ephod on. It says he, he did that as a king. And his wife said, how dare you do that? You betrayed your kingly status. I'm using our words. He said, my kingly status is nothing compared to El Shaddai. 
You know, often, there's many of us like this. I'm so excited about this, I'm about to fall off the stage. I, have to, I feel my feet going like I'm gonna fall off. Often, God will touch the heart in a meeting, in your room, or something. there's a, an experience, and what we realize is there's more, right? And so the hunger develops. God will bring hunger to develop in you so that it can push you past your point of comfort. Hunger comes to press you past what you're comfortable with. Because every single one of us will come to a door, God, God, we, oh God. And so it's like, great, it's in, in, God come, all your power. So we pray and then he answers with hunger. Why? Because when you come to a door, on the other side of that door is what you're praying for. To go through that door is you have to let go something of your status, something of your reputation. So he answers with hunger and more hunger and more hunger until it moves you past the point of your discomfort. And then they were instructed in song. Oh. We're going to have to leave it there. 1 Chronicles 15, verse 22, in the King James says, Kaniah, chief of the Levites, was for song. He instructed about the song. That word song, and because he was skillful, that word song is not the word shar, which is a Hebrew word for song. It's the word masah, which is a prophetic burden. And skillful there is not the skill of an instrument. It means it's the word for discernment. You see, all the sons from young, were instructed in spiritual discernment and how to carry a burden in song and how to transfer that into an instrument. I'll just say this and then we're going to pray for the musicians. Praise, worship, will, where warfare entangles you, praise will set you free. See, when the enemy comes to attack you here, which is most of the time in here, accusation or even through people or whatever, it's actually an invitation to fight him. Often warfare is a mistake. It's like the Hulk. The more you fight him, the greener and bigger he gets and the stronger he gets. He wants your attention. There are places where you be attacked and as soon as I'm attacked, if I, I have to say something, all of this, I have to speak out of my mouth, Lord, I thank you that, and you speak the truth, not the lie, instantly. I've done this in the store. I thank you that I'm just worthy because of you. I thank you this, I thank God, that's not who you named me, that's not who I am. I thank you, God, that you are so, and what happens is the little spirit, that's what it is, that comes to whisper something in your ear, and you respond in worship. He goes, whoa, 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 you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to get guilty and inward and fight me and and it is the way the enemy, the attack, will stop. You know, people, I've been under attack for years. It'll stop. Why? Because the one thing the enemy will not do is partner with the Holy Spirit to conform you to the image of Christ. And you become what you behold. When he attacks and you turn it into praise, the attack stops. It just stops. We'll end it there.